This is Greg Harmon of Deceleration, Deceleration.news, an online journal speaking to our shared ecological, political, and cultural crises, seeking out the roots of human and planetary insecurity, a movement beyond resistance in pursuit of a sustainable peace. So this is part of a series of podcasts we're doing dedicated to San Antonio's climate action and adaptation plan, uh, a city effort to rapidly reduce our climate pollution while preparing our residents for rapidly escalating extreme weather being brought about by fossil fuel-driven human industry and agriculture. This week I speak to Frankie Arona, Executive Director of the Society of Native Nations and Juan Mancias, Tribal Chair of the Carrizo Camacrudo Tribe of Texas, about their recent experiences in San Francisco at the Global Climate Action Summit and their longtime anti-extraction work here in Texas uh, and along the border. This is part of a monthly Uh, meeting and conversation series hosted by the Alamo Group of the Sierra Club. I hope you enjoy. I'm Greg Harmon. I know most of y'all are here, but some of y'all. And I work with the State Sierra Club. And uh, been in San Antonio about 10 years. It's been about 10 years, I guess, that I first met Juan. You're doing, uh, you're over here at the Witty, you know, uh, giving them grief over their bundle burials and everything that they've got back in collections and and you you know gave me some education on some of the issues that are happening around um, around that kind of work um, and uh, Frankie uh, just a few years um, since really uh, Dakota Access and Standing Rock uh, we first kind of hooked up and um, saw what you guys are doing uh, up there and and when I saw you both in my, you got into my Facebook feed, uh, you know, uh, with all the selfies and the videos from San Francisco, uh, and um, I thought, you know, I, I needed to talk with y'all when you came back. And this was the Global Climate Action Summit that they just held. And um, it was significant. A lot of people were watching it, I think, because, you know, a year ago, June 1, Trump got out of the, the Paris Agreement. And so we're now the only country on the planet that is not committed, has not at least verbally committed to working together to try to solve our global climate crisis together. Uh, and a lot of people in San Antonio uh, got up, and, and I saw you guys um, as well, got up and got the our new mayor from day one, so, you know, who was kind of, you know, all right, you know, uh, declared we're gonna sign on with the Paris Agreement, and then we've got a Paris, uh, or now we've got a climate action plan that we're developing so that we can you know, stop polluting, <coughs> stop polluting the planet with our greenhouse gases, as well as help protect uh, the people in San Antonio and the surrounding area from the acceleration of extreme weather that that pollution is causing. Um, and and like I said, we've been engaged uh, uh, individually and collectively in a lot of these a lot of these fights, and so. I wanted to talk about San Francisco. It was it was uh, encouraging on the one hand because uh, you know the U.S. had bowed out and and the planet began to think about the people around the planet began to think about if the nation states if the United States is not going to lead and the nations are failing us they're not setting goals they're not setting a framework that will help us get through this kind of like this bottleneck this crisis then then we have to do it up from a local level and I think what what I heard from y'all and from others in San Francisco was that local might mean something different to different people, right? 
and, um, and there was a critique, and Frankie and I, we spoke briefly about it, there was a critique that there was just a huge business uh, presence. And I think that, that, that speaks to where we are, right? We've turned over our governments to big business, and so it's inevitable that that's banked up inside of the climate work. So, um, and I want to talk about that, but I'm mainly interested, I'd like to share more stories about um, y'all and how you got into some of the work and some of the, some of these uh, you've been engaged with, whether it's the LNG um, one and the pipelines. How you doing, sir? Uh, or it's the, you know, the West Texas, well, Louisiana or West Texas and some of the DAPA work, Ricky. Um, Oh yeah, we got a sign in going around, so good catch. Um, but maybe Juan, maybe you can you can start us off and maybe talk about you know how, where, maybe just like where in the in your mind in the cosmology of Carrizo uh, tribe that this extraction, like the oil and gas struggles, fit. You know, and where you began your work in. in well, it started when they first started with Reagan, I guess. Mm -hmm. It was back in the 80s, uh, early 80s, <clears throat> when he was uh, wanting to open the Keystone. First, first it was Alaska, and it was all the Alaskan Native people that were asking for help, and uh, and I was like listening to all this, and I was like, this, you know, trying to speak to everyone, uh, but there was not, there wasn't that much, you know, interest in it yet at the same at the same time. But we had a lot of problems going on here. Because we were real, we struggled with the uh, nuclear or the toxic waste dump mm -hmm. that was closed up in West Texas. We we fought that for the longest time, and we fought things like the. Um, was that the Sierra Blanca? Yeah. The Sierra Blanca yeah. fight. Okay. Yeah. Right. So uh, that was uh, just for, for for the room. Sierra Blanca was uh, targeted for a low low level radioactive waste dump that would have they would have taken uh, Maine and Vermont. Right, power plant waste shifted across the country and, and put it in this, this this poor little town way out in the corner of the state. Yeah. So, yeah, good. And so we so we were you know really trying to you know maintain that tribal identity and trying to because we know that there's burial sites in, in that area, and especially in the Monahans area. You know what they call the, the sand hills, mm -hmm. and um, and that whole area was just one of those things that we continued to fight for a long time. Tried to uh, avert a lot of the stuff with the uh, some of the oil wells that they were bringing into, you know, like Hockley County, Little End, all that area. Um, <clears throat> so it's been, you know, it's been a while trying to do this. We got into protecting even the prairie dogs, um, you know, up in, in, in Lubbock, because they were trying to bring in, they were talking about putting a strip mall in the middle of what is Buffalo Springs Lake right now, and um, we were able to work with the Sierra Club with them on trying to avoid that. But, I mean, we were even, I mean, it was, that, that one got kind of hairy because of the, it was actually, they were trying to run oil through there too. So it was, it was just trying to do the research. So we've got, We've been involved, way, you know, for a long time, right. trying to protect sacred sites and sacred grounds. Well, that's I think what I get from talking with you that is so rich is your knowledge. When you talk about a pipeline or you talk about the Prairie Dog Village or something, you know, you're talking about places that have a his have a history that kind of settler state 
you know, the, the history that the, a lot of people in the city don't, that don't have. You know, they have uh, a burial site in Monaghan. <coughs> that's not why uh, a traditional environmental uh, environmental organization may jump into a may jump into a scrap, right? Well, then, we, but we were getting pictures of remains that were being, you know, the dust the dust storms that happen in in, in the Panhandle around Odessa, and, and, and there's this. Have you ever been in, in that area? You know what the dust storms are. They're bad, especially around spring. They're really bad. You can't you can't even be outside that long because it just uh, I mean it causes pterygiums in your eyes because of the, the sand that's out there so badly. It's just it blows it blow it'll blow an engine just driving from Lubbock to Odessa. People have driven their cars into the ground because of the sand being sucked into their engines. So I mean that would uncover a lot of burial grounds in that area. And of course, because of the lack of, of, um, of you know, uh, topsoil. Well, conservation methods of trying to maintain, you know, the topsoil. And mm -hmm. So it really created a lot of problems with that. So we've been finding stuff like that for a while. So the quality of air, I mean, that I've grown up with is since I remember being five years old, mm -hmm. you know, it's been the Dust Bowl kind of mentality. If you never, and, and you've never been in, in that kind of a environment you should go up through around spring, so yeah. about April or May. Yeah. And you get those 70 mile per hour winds coming off the, off the <coughs> rockies there, coming right straight through there. So sometimes we'd say, well, this is just flying by, COVID is flying by. But because uh, I mean, it was literally it was, was flying. Yeah, it was by. flying by. And that's where they wanted to set, set these uh, now. They're doing the same thing. They want to put another toxic, a nuclear toxic waste in Yoakum County, which is right at the edge of the state line of Texas and, and New Mexico. And so now we're going to have to take that fight on too to try and, and get as much involved in it. But we've uh, been able to recognize that there is, there's a case uh, called the Windman Wind 2 versus the Interior Department. And um, we're using that case to be able to, to uh, avert the expansion of the Dos Republicas mine in Eagle Pass. We've already submitted the, the letter to them and uh, even looking to take legal action if they don't come up with the remains that they saw. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows where they are. Yeah. And that's a, that's the excuse that all of them are saying now. We don't know. You know, They're saying, yeah, we got the 106A, but I don't know where they are. Yeah, uh, Witty's saying the same thing, so right. people like that. Right. And they're saying, well, we don't have them. And unless you can get a warrant to go look into that place, you're never gonna find them. But with the whole, I mean, it's, it's all connected here in Texas because they really don't uh, recognize the presence of... Uh, That's what I was wondering, if we can work our way in this conversation yeah. about federally recognition, yeah. federal recognition for, for tribes. About, and, yeah, well, we, yeah, the thing is that NACRA has changed to where a non-recognized tribe can ask for help. Mm -hmm. Or uh, 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 they can ask for help from a... Uh, from a recognized tribe to be able to do that. Well, I want to hold on, hold on to that thought. I want to work, work, work our way around to that. And, um, and I want to bring Frankie in. <clears throat> when, uh, well, I, I guess we can just start with Dapple. Um, when did kind of some of these, some of these struggles? Because when I when I think about like the history, like Juan's talking about, and and my own, like I lived in West Texas in the '90s. Uh, and there is an awareness, even though we knew like global warming, climate change were a topic, it wasn't like top of mind for a lot of people. We were still talking about you know, the strip mine was the strip mine, and the coal plant was the coal plant, um, and this this big 
uh, I feel like this big awareness that all, how, how all these things are connected in terms of, you know, what we're burning here is, is burning someone else, you know, across the planet. And I feel like um, Standing Rock was, if people hadn't caught it by then, that, that really, uh, that, that caught a fire for a lot of people. And I wonder if you can uh, maybe bring us, you know, up with how you got involved there and just the content, the awareness of these intersecting crises, right? Yeah, I mean, for myself, you know, I wasn't as much involved back in the early 2000s with the politics. It was mainly just helping elders in ceremonies down in California, where I'm originally from, where I was, where I was raised. And, um, you know, mostly it was for sacred sites and burial sites, uh, village sites, and things like that. I didn't really get involved in the politic aspects of it. So I moved here in 2005, and it wasn't too much longer after that. You know, I met Juan and, you know, a few other people, and um, we got involved in some politics, and and uh, it just got to the point where it was like, enough was enough, you know? It's just like, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's not looking very promising for, for the future, for our, our next generation. And I have kids, I have, you know, children, and I think about them and their future and uh, how, you know, what our actions are gonna do for them, um, how it's gonna affect them, you know, what do they have to look forward to? And um, I just feel, I felt at the time that it was kind of a situation where, like, if I was my child, I'd be looking at what's going on in this world and saying I'm kind of dreading, you know, our future, rather than, you know, having something to look forward to, you know, something to, um, you know, to have as an encouragement to, um, to continue to, to walk forward and rather than be discouraged because of everything that's happening and, you know, all the contamination and pollution and everything that's happening. And so I had a, I struggled a little bit with the whole politics and stuff like that. But, you know, one of my elders told me that, you know, what was politics, you know, as, for, as far as environmentalism or activism, you know, he said, you know, those, 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 those things have been a part of our spirituality and our way of life um, way before those words were even invented, you know, to take care of this earth, to take care of, you know, our, our future generations, you know, leave a place better than the way you found it, you know, it was part of our teachings, you know, and so... He kind of explained that, you know, activism, the end result, if you remove the ego and self-interest and, you know, all those other things, you know, the look at me's kind of mentality, the end result is that you're, str you're, you're struggling and, str and striving and fighting for a better future for that next generation, right? And what is our spirituality to fight? Not to fight, to build a relationship with the spirit world and the creator ourselves, to help better ourselves, our families, our communities, and our future generations. So I got involved and started getting involved with the AIM, the American Indian Movement, and uh, other groups that were fighting for all these different causes. And, and um, I think the first thing I really got involved in here as far as politics was that child, who was that child? Uh, so you did child welfare, welfare, yes. So we got involved. We started off with that. Just describe that. It's the Indian Child Welfare Act, and they were challenging it, it with the um, baby Veronica, baby the Cherokee, right. mm -hmm. that took away from the family yeah. and gave it to the white family. Mm -hmm. So it kind of just trickled from there, and then it just turned into a situation where it's like, okay, we went up to South Dakota for some ceremony. We came back, and we just. You know, we heard about the youth running all the way up to D.C. and, um, you know, to fight this, this pipeline, the energy transfer partners was putting, putting it to the ground. 
And when we heard the stories about, I think it was supposed to originally go through Bismarck, right? Yeah, yeah. Bismarck. Yeah. It was originally going through Bismarck, which was predominantly a white community, right? And then they said, no, we don't want that you know, in our community because we don't want the potential contamination. So then they said, well, let's put it you know, by the people that we feel you know, will give less resistance, right? Which is the reservation and indigenous people that live in the area, the, the, the Sioux Nation. And so when we heard about that, it blew up from there, you know, and people started really resonating towards the whole saving our, our water, our water is life, you know, I mean, everything that we are about is about water. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, you know, it's one thing that we could all relate to, no matter what faith, what background, what religion, you know, what spirituality, whatever it is, wherever you come from, the one thing we could all relate to is that we all need that water, you know, we all need that, that, that sacred, you know, water of life. Um, so that's when you saw, and that's why I always say that, you know, I think the most powerful teaching that came out of Standing Rock, for myself anyway, is, you know, that the, the power and unity. You know, you had so many people come together and everything that was created that can never be taken away, which is that, that awareness. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, that, that power and unity that created the awareness throughout this whole world, people feeling from all over, from different places of the world to be a part of this and stand side by side and, um, that can never be taken away, and, and it created more movements, other smaller movements within other communities, and you know, more activism or you know, environmentalism or whatever you want to call it. You know, basically getting people to stand up to fight for a better future. Well, that's something that yeah, and, and I want to piggyback on that. Uh, two things: one is when you talk about our children, you talk about future generations. Um, the thing I think I read, must have read this after coming back from North Dakota, or South Dakota, uh, North Dakota, um, was that the, the root, or the, 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 the admission for Standing Rock, Hippie, um, was young people. Yep. And it was young people off on the res that were essentially you know, sick and tired. They're 13 year olds, they've got alcoholic you know, brothers or sisters or friends that are dying or drug addicted or, or all this stuff. So this is just basic social problems and, and, and the outflow of uh, co- uh, colonialism and, and, and this kind of just, just fact of life stuff. I mean, it's not like a funny, you know, and, and it was returning to using traditional, like going back to old ways and learn, getting the, that they kind of got the elders, got their parents and got other folks to engage. And so I think got all, I think got much of the community involved, yeah. you know, whether young or old. But I think what it was, it was like a reminder for me personally, I think it was a reminder of that historical trauma, right? That right. systematic trauma right. that even with this climate justice, global, you know, climate justice uh, right. uh, summit, you know, it's, it's a reminder of that historical trauma and that systematic trauma that continues to happen. So it's not really historic, you know, you know, historical trauma if, because that, that, when it's historical trauma, it's, it's what happened in the past, right? But it, it's still happening. So it's not really historical trauma because it's still happening. It's trauma. Just straight up just trauma because it's still happening today. It just has a different face, a different look, different word, you know, different approach. But it's still happening. And it's, and it's always happening. And it starts off happening to the communities that they feel they're going to get the less resistance from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's wrong. I mean, I think the more that people are aware of those things because it's so easy for us to be blinded or to ignore because it's more convenient to not, you know, address it or want to see it by turning off and clicking off the TV when they see something that's happening in another country or right down the street from them, you know, from where they live. We don't want to see it, so you know, let me let me let me make my life a little more convenient. Just switch the switch and change the channel. Well, we can't do that. We can't afford to do that because by the time our kids decide to do it, 
do it for themselves. It might be too late. It, it, it might be too late now. But we can't, we can't stop trying. We can't give up. We have to keep fighting you know, so our kids can have a, a, a healthy future, a, a, a sustainable future. You know? And we live in a time where it is possible. It's just, you know, this, this, this world is, is, is predominantly run by corporations. It's, they decide what, and dictate what, what our societies and our, our people become dependent on. And we need to change that. We need to force them to change those, that mindset. What? I, for, yeah, I gonna, yeah go but I, I think that it goes even further than that because along with the pollution of, of the environment, there's a pollution of forgetting how to be human. And you can't you can't understand that when you when you are colonized and you and you support a system that continues to do that, you know, because we're and that's part of the pollution, you know, for us, for ourselves too, is that, you know, we, we, we find the anesthesias that make us numb to the situations that are happening out there. And like money's an anesthesia, drugs and alcohol is an anesthesia, religion's an anesthesia, individualism is an, is a, is a, is a education. Even getting a, 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 a college education because it's a white man's education. And it's not, it's not around who we are anymore. Being raised, in, being raised in these ways. Checking in at the senior center. <laughs> being raised in these ways is, 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 is understanding that how do I continue to be this human being, you know? Because that's how we used to call ourselves. Is taking away everything that's, that's been laid on top of us, even the federal recognition stuff. That's part of colonization. Uh, tribal councils is part of colonization because that didn't come in until 1934 with the Howard Wheeler Act. So when we talk about lifeways, the lifeways should be the ones that, 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 that almost mandate that we be part of everything that is. All the other stuff and the way we speak, we don't speak in our language because in our language there is that spiritual ideal, you know. There is that emotional ideal. There is that connection that connects us as a total, as a to, total social being, and not just you know the spiritual being or the emotional being. All five of the beings that make us a holistic human being, being connected to what's going on. Right now, we're just spirits learning to be human beings because you know they've taken that away from us. They, they, our tribal identities have been polluted. Well, and, and, and it's been polluted because of, of genericism. Individualism is one of the biggest things that occurs out there. And genericism is, it doesn't give you a really an idea of what, what is there. The fight at Dapple was because it was on sacred sites. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was hurting sacred sites. And they know sacred sites there. And we should know sacred sites in Texas too. Because everything that we were at, there was a village there at one time. Mm -hmm. There are BRNs, which are burnt rock medians, all along, you know, every river. Mm -hmm. You know, not just not just the one in San Antonio, not just the Rio Grande, but all of these rivers are sacred to us because we used to pour them. We used to live close to water. There's over 17,000 springs in Texas, not just one that's sacred. They're all sacred. And to sit there and say, well, we've got to take care of this one. We, by taking care of that one, we have to be open to understanding what's going on out there. Because 
one of the things that makes us understand that is that when they're building a wall and they're and they're waiving 30, 30 laws to be able to build that There's wall. All these federal laws. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, that that means that they can do whatever the hell they want, yeah. and it's not going to affect them because it's their laws. It's not law. The laws aren't made to protect us mm -hmm. as native people or as as citizens of Texas or the United States. It's to protect the corporations because they're the ones that are with the money, you know. And they're not paying the taxes, they're getting tax abatements. Three LNG, two, two of the LNGs got tax abatements in Brownsville. Oh, I like what you're saying about, you know, we we're talking about San Francisco, maybe we can turn into that in a minute, but this idea about learning to be human, spirits learning to be human, and, and as you describe this, the relationship with place, right, where you know where your sacred sites are, um, is that, so, so in, in California, when, when, when you come up against corporations who are using a very particular paradigm, corporate uh, response of profit, right, profit motive, uh, uh, profit motive to speak to climate change, is that even, is that even po possible way forward when it sounds like the root of this is a settler mindset that doesn't know sacred land and know how to be in relation. I mean, isn't that, I mean, was that part of the protest and what, what local means? Well, no, well, I think what's happening there with Jerry Brown is that he wants all these oil fields because there's going to be money and it, it, it trickles, it, it affects the deficit of the state, you know, so it, it makes it less. But at the same time, you know, you've got two, two, two parties. One of them is all about the money. The other one's all about, you know, reducing and creating jobs, you know. Mm -hmm. So you're caught in the middle between these two parties that really don't want, don't understand the reality of what they're doing to the future generations mm -hmm. and to us now. Because, I mean, uh, when you, if you get one of those uh, heat sensor cameras mm -hmm. and you put them on any of these things, any of these fracking fields, oh, yeah. uh, and you can see, yeah. you can see yeah. where, where it's, they're all leaking. You know, where they're all leaking. No. And, and that's and that's the problem mm -hmm. is because it's still happening and it's, it's like yes it happened we, we have traumatic trauma from historically but it's happening right now and we're not even aware of it mm -hmm. you know once we find out about it we, we have to recognize the fact that there is an ethnic cleansing that goes along with everything that's, that's happening yeah. Yeah. So. well maybe but let me tell you about yeah. that because the whole the title of the of the the summit was uh, the anti-summit. <laughs> okay. So this is the one that's outside, yeah, the one that's in the street. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> called Soul to Soul, which was right. the first three letters of solutions and solidarity. So it was solutions to solidarity. And I think that that's part of, the, part of what we're trying to work towards, solidarity. But it's not based, you know, on... on uh, on pan-Indian ideals, it's based on you know the ideals of the people of the land because the Ohlone were the people that were prominent there, mm -hmm. and the way they spoke and how she, and how uh, Corina spoke mm -hmm. was talking about you know maintaining that. that Tell process. me that back. I didn't catch the. It was based not on a pan-Indian, but on the tribal the tribal presence of, of the people of, of, of the, that place. The, of that place. And what's what's the? What's oh, the they were the Ohlones. And they're and they and they and they're trying just to maintain some kind of uh, uh, cohesiveness because they've been so tragically divided because of the colonization of the curse. So they're even even them are struggling to maintain. But 
but it seemed like it brought them together, mm -hmm. at least to a place where they can start yeah. talking. Yeah. I mean, they're speaking the same language, singing some some of the same songs, mm -hmm. and the thing is, it's just you know finding a way to go back and reclaiming everything. Like it happened down in South Ca Southern California with the Gouria and the Lucene and all those people, the Ahashman. Right. right. And, uh, and well, was it? I mean, just to go back to Santa, was that was all the council fires for the first time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it shows that it can happen, but really I think a lot of that, what he's saying is that, you know, that the whole sort of soul, you know, that their message was, you know, it's it's the communities themselves that have some solutions, which is, don't put band-aids on it. The, the corporate, you know, fix is band-aids. You know, how do we, how, you know, not only band-aids, but how can we profit on, on giving a better environment or cleaning up the environment for you, rather than just stopping the very thing that's causing the problem in the first place, right? Like, stop the fracking, stop the extractions, and move towards renewable, add those to the portfolio. Tell them about the but, but the, um, which one piece? Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, yeah, we, have, yeah, we definitely need a warehouse like that. I mean, they're very planned out for like they have everything categorized warehouses, you know, water, air vents, you know, and you know, yeah, so, you know, they have a lot of solutions to like how to address the issues. Yeah. The thing was is that their message was how do you create, you know, it's, it's about creating a, a sustainable future, mm -hmm. and that the communities themselves have the answers, not corporations that don't spend time in those communities where they're having the, those climate issues, you know, that contamination, you know, they don't live there, they don't go and spend time there, they're not listening to the people, they're coming up with their own solutions and their solutions involve them getting paid. Because what they care about is the bottom line, the money that they're going to make, making their investors and their shareholders happy, rather than what's in the best interest of the people themselves. Or how do you stop, instead of creating band-aids, how do we just stop the problem all around, you know what I mean? It's like instead of trying to create fake environments or false environments that, you know, clouds or whatever they want to do, you know, to, to try to solve the problem. Iron in the ocean. Right, yeah, you know, it's, that, that, that's not going to be for free. They're not going to yeah. do it for free. It's about money. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing is that just the, the, the communication, the, the message was, <laughs> again, like I said, you know, um, we want a sustainable future. I think all communities want a sustainable future, and you know, and we need to start listening to those communities because they have the answers because they live there every day, day and night. You know? And that's that's what happened with those republicans, mind because of this, this expansion, they didn't consult. There was no consultation with any of the tribes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yes, they sent a letter saying we're going to do this, but they didn't consult to where, where they, what they did with the. Um, the, what do you call it, the, the, the remains mm -hmm. that they found, or the artifacts. Mm -hmm. so nobody knows where they are, so now that's the reason they might not be able to, you know, if we continue just keep putting the pressure on them, that we, we can stop that. Mm -hmm. Now the other mine over here on 37 is 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 also, you know... Is that, the fr is that frac sand? What, what is the... It's the uh, San Miguel. Oh, okay. San Miguel okay. mine right yeah. off 37. Yeah. They're, they're in, in a battle with pipeline coming in. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, we should take let, it. Let them go. <laughs> but, but the thing is, too, like, you know, like what one saying, though, is like a lot of those things that we've seen over and over and over again is like policies and changing policy, you know, it's a, it's, it's a tool. Mm -hmm. But, it, but as, as quick as a policy is approved or disapproved, it, it can be switched back mm -hmm. in, in a blink of an eye. Well, so, yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it in Standing Rock. We see it happening now in, in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And our relatives over here, you know, at uh, Louis. Uh, 
Louisville B. Camp in Louisiana. And you know, here you got corporations that are doing, um, you know, what they're doing to the land, and they're being told that it's illegal what they're doing, but they do it anyway because they got the money to pay the fines. They got the money to say, you know what, we don't care what the law says. We're above the law, right? We're above the law, you know, because we can afford to break the law, right? And so that's that's an ongoing process. So for me personally, from what I've seen in my experience, you know, policies again, like I said, it's a tactic, it's a it's a, it's a tool, but in 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 real life. The way that, that you stop something is you know, when it comes to these corporations doing what they're doing, is you have to affect the bottom line. You have to affect money. Okay. You have to affect the money. You, you, if you can somehow find a way to affect the money and continue to keep affecting the money and create more awareness so that way that can build more and you can do more divestments and not just in banks but in other aspects that relate to our everyday life. You know, I always say like, as an environmentalist, it's kind of like an AA group. You know, it's like, you know, yes, I'm an environmentalist, but, you know, I, I am hypocritical and contradicting to some degree because I contribute to that very system, right? But by doing that, I'm first acknowledging mm -hmm. that I'm part of the problem, which means now I might think a little more clearly and, you know, be more wise about recycling more, mm -hmm. you know, leaving a smaller footprint, right? The you know, not driving as much. Right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a part of it. Right. We, we are a part of it. And, and little bits. <laughs> little bits. And it's hard, but we have to realize that. That we all contribute to it. Well, let me. Let me. Yeah, let me pivot on that. I think we're. I think we're, we haven't hit direct on something. I think is is important. If policy can be overturned and flipped, you know, with a switch. I mean, I just want to talk about. So San Antonio right now with our climate plan, uh, we just got you know good word from the mayor that they want to go for a more aggressive climate plan to go to zero uh, greenhouse pollution uh, by by 2050, like a 90 percent or 100 percent reduction by 2050. Uh, Great news, but we're also on the cusp of a proposition, potential proposition election, which would allow the city to, you know, like the same way like the Tea Party shut down the light rail in the city. They said we don't want to pay for people in the city to be, you know, uh, you know, light rail back and forth to work or whatever, so they shut it down. Um, but the, it seems to me like we haven't hit on is the solution being social transformation, right? If you want something to stick, you need the people broadly to change and have this kind of, you know what I'm saying? And so what role do you think then is an awareness? I mean, or you, you go for it, Juan. You know what I'm going. I think the buzz word right now is called just transition. Just transition. And, uh, and, and to understand what is just, mm -hmm. you know, and, and when, we, when we look at, uh, at, at looking for solutions, you know, like I went to France, Talked to PMB Parivas, they pulled out of all fossil fuels, they pulled out of LNG. And this is on the coast of Texas, yeah. proposed LNG plants. Yeah. You me. went to the funder, potential funders. All, and you know, three of them. Now we're still fighting Societe General, okay. and it looks like they're going to be pulling out of, okay. out of the other LNG. Right. So <coughs> those are the things that we look at as trying to, to make them divest and, and not put money into it. Mm -hmm. But when you got the community in South Texas that doesn't understand very much other than they need a job right. and how do, how do we how do we make that just transition you know so we, we have to look for ways to be able to do that in South Texas how can we do that we one way we can do it is start educating the people there and letting them, letting them know what the real problem is and, and let them see the evidence of what's really happening because I don't think they're aware of all the leaks and all the explosions that are happening like 
two, three a month, a month, you know now, and with Keystone. And so the threat to their own livelihood or to their health. To their health. You describe them. Yeah, I mean, when I mean sometimes I can get pretty pretty bad about it. And I can tell them, yeah, they're going to create jobs. They're just going to bring in more oncologists then for all the cancer you guys are going to get. So you're going to have a lot of jobs created by those guys. For, for, for cancer reasons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. It's a one right now. Yeah. How y'all doing? Good to see yeah. you. Good. When Standing Rock was happening here in San Antonio, we had <laughs> weekly protests at Energy Transfer Partners up here. And I think that was part of the solution. In other words, when you do national pressure, you show national effort. And that was part of, part of what helped. Uh, I would think in terms of starting those up again, again, with with Mayan uh, Bridge in Louisiana, it's the same characters, right? It's the same team. Same company. Right? So, we are. if that was part of, if that was part of what worked then, maybe we could do that again. Yeah, I think, so there is, there is, there is plans this next coming month for it actually be done at Industry Chance Partners during a shareholders meeting. Um, that it's a, it's it's actually a, a give us a plug of the date. Uh, it's um, October eighteenth. Okay. It's going to be um, what we put up in the event page is many people from Louisiana and Good. South Dakota, you know, all different frontline communities are going to come uh, to be a part of it. You know, we're going to try to you know speak at the at the shareholders meeting. Um, there'll be you know rallies inside as well as outside. Um, so yeah, that's that is part of like the strategy. is always like you said, it's, it's about creating awareness right you know and that's what I was gonna say like one was talking about you know the education to me like education and awareness you know I remember going to a town after we had you know tourist camp on West Texas we're like looking into moving this this camp to another front line and we went to a community where the, the, the fossil fuel industry already went into that community right and did what they had to do um, gave jobs and you know contaminate the water and then they left right their water is contaminated. It's, you know, it's not really that safe to drink right out of the faucet. And so we talked about having this, this, um, this camp, you know, there. And uh, it was a, the majority of the community was like, no, they didn't want us there. Mm -hmm. Even though they can't drink the water, mm -hmm. even though they can't drink the water, they don't want us there. Mm -hmm. And it was because many of them want the oil industry to come back mm -hmm. because of what they've already created and left behind. They want their sons and daughters to have jobs. You know, it comes down to that money and that education. Like, how do you re-educate them and saying, you know what, we don't need that kind of, uh, those kinds of jobs in our community. Why don't we have more, you know, wind turbine technology or solar panels, solar farms, or, uh, you know, um, uh, biodegradable uh, products being grown, maybe even uh, hemp to replace textiles and other energy costs that we're, that that was, along with everything else. And that was what we were proposing with that camp there. I mean, we still, the mentality is still out there. It's, it's just a matter of trying to get the land. Yeah. It's, it's a reprogramming. You almost have to deprogram so you can start to kind of reprogram yourself of a new way of thinking, right? And it's not, it's not easy. That's, it's, what, it's, that's it's what I was trying to get at when you described my therapist. Because Juan, you were, you were saying education is about, you know, the, the threat to an individual's health or to a family's health. Um, but we're talking about something something else. You go into a community that's already been threatened, they've already had their water poisoned, but they have a very particular quality of life or a life, a life way that, that, that kind of at this deeper level has to be changed, right? So, I mean, I, I want to open it up 
to the room. Um, well, let, let me just say one thing. Yeah. Because the same weekend that they're going over there, we're going to end up having to be at the National Butterfly Center because that's where they're passing the wall through, and we're going to sit up. We're going to sit up there, and um, we're going to make it. It's in Mission, Texas. In Mission. Um, 18. On the 18th, too? You're both on the 18th. No, I, was just, I just opened my calendar. I but the thing, the, the 18th, is it? It's the 18th. Yeah, it's the 18th. But the only reason I'm saying that is because we have issues in Texas we got to take care of. Yeah. And, and we have other, other and other corporations that, that are also doing a lot of damage while, you know, the, the thing with the, the pipeline is it's going on. I mean, right now, he just showed me pictures of what, what's happening in Del Rio because they're putting a pipeline in already. And we got to find ways to get up there and do something. And we're talking about Kinder Morgan. We're talking about, you know, uh, Enbridge. We're talking about ETP at the same time also. It's, it's, it's a 19th. Yeah, it's a day after. Okay. And, uh, oh, you're doing Friday? <clears throat> yeah. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's because the sheriff was meeting. So we're, so we're, that, those are the things that we're looking at. And we have we have a we have a slogan. If you build a village, you save the earth. Because we were people that lived in villages. We didn't stay in the villages for more than a week or seven days. And basically, we did that because we didn't want to, you know, totally mess up the whole area. We just moved to another place, and then we, that way that one would grow back up. We were pretty good conservationists. Now, I don't know if I'm an environmentalist, but I am, you know, I still not. And uh, and it's concerns to me because those are the connections that I have, and that's why. We need to be down there in, in, in South Texas as well. And the thing I think we have to remember too is like a lot of these corporations, especially the fossil fuel industry, a lot of their executives are here in Texas. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we, we, you know, a lot of it's shipped off this Gulf, you know, out of Texas. So and there's a lot, like Juan said, there's a lot that's happening here um, that a lot of these companies throughout the United States and throughout this world um, are based out of Texas, you know, out of Dallas. And, and like North American, who is the subsidiary of, of those republicas, it's right down the road from ETP also. Well, I should ask, what, what's Kelsey Warren up to these days? Well, they're talking about a new pipeline. Been to see him like, Plus, They're talking about a new pipeline, and you know they're having that show, it's meeting that we plan on visiting and and uh, sharing our, our thoughts. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so we went down to Louisiana, and right. you know, what they're dealing with and what they're going through is, you know, like I said, you know, they, they are on, land that they're allowed to be on. Yeah, they bought the land. And, you know, that's what we need. and ETP have doesn't have the right to be there, but they're the ones still getting arrested. And um, so they're breaking the law. And these people who are there, these relatives that are there at the camp, Louis Louis, they, they are actually trying to uphold the law, but they're the ones still getting arrested. So that just shows you that ETP yeah. doesn't care. Those corporations don't care about, you know, what the law says, because you know, they'll buy their way out of it, you know, you, they, you know they, they feel they're above the law. And that's the message right now is that those corporations should not be above the law. They should have to abide by what the community feels is right for their community. They need to be heard because they live there. You know, these people don't live there. They come there, they visit or come and do the damage they're going to do or, you know, do what they have to do to, to help that 1% of people that benefit from it. But it ain't the local community. So let me ask you last question, and and and, um, uh, and then just see where we're at in the room. If we want to continue to open the conversation, but so you go into a community. Let's say you're out in uh, in the Permian somewhere, right? Uh, that's going just gangbusters right now with fracking. 
and uh, and everybody's running for the jobs, or, or they get their water, you know, contaminated, and they're still running for the jobs. I know Juan, you mentioned public health as, as one of the issues. Uh, how, how do you talk? How do you talk to people about what what another world looks like? Right, the world that people are talking about at, at, at this uh, outside the San Francisco climate gathering. How do you how do you how do you paint that for people here in Texas or in the whole country? Well, I think that in the long run, we have to recognize the fact that everything is going to end up here. You know, and, and for me, you know, there are prophecies that we have that are painted on the walls in Del Rio, all the way up to Adobe walls. And they all talk about things that were happening, things that had happened, things that will happen. And they're all there. I mean, whether, you know, people want to put their their ability to look at it as, you know, it's one person's interpretation, the, the prophecy's there. You know, we're talking about horizontal fracking being shown, and uh, it's there for people to see it. It's not something that's 4,000 years old. And it was done at a time when people saw that there was a problem that was gonna occur here. Because, you know, especially on, on this continent, was, you know, the Spaniards were the first Europeans that landed here. And, uh, I mean, those rivers are shown right along there on all of those things. And, and it shows us that there is a healing. There's a healing, it even shows a snake on there. And, uh, but it shows that there's a healing and it's a return back to being human beings again. And for us, being a human being was going back to our dances, going back to singing our songs, you know, going back to the balance of man and woman, you know, that there's always that balance within the tribal communities. Uh, and there should be, you know, and, um, and for me, it's important to recognize that if we're going to find healing from this mentality out there is that we open the eyes of the people that don't want to see you. Know? Because they can see, they're just kind of cobbled. That's what I want to ask yeah. you about, because I was told that, that Europeans were the, the first colonized, and that's probably why it's the hardest to, to well, break the spell. Americans. Yeah. No, you, you, you go well, to Europe. That, I mean, well, you go to Europe, there's a lot, there's a lot of movement down there. It's the people that, that hold the, the... I think it's a mentality. That yeah. hold the money. It's the money. Oh, yeah, it's all yeah. about money. And, uh, and, and the thing is that even in trying to, to make these efforts to fight those republicas, to fight the three LNGs, and even see that, that we've had results, you know, in stopping one of the LNGs, working on stopping the other one, you know, we, we, have, to, we have to look at that even with the letters that we have sent because we ask for, for due diligence from those republicas on, on, on the remains, we should say Dos Republics, you referenced it a couple times, but I don't know if people watching will know that's the, the coal mine. That's a coal mine. Yeah. 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 That's a coal mine yeah. in Texas. Okay. And they're asking for an expansion permit, and I, and I think that they're not, they're asking for more information on it, because nobody knows what where those remains are. And I, I was the first one to ask, I'd like to see them, because uh, I think it's important that, that there, there be that accountability. I mean, you know... Texas Railroad Commission, we need somebody to sit in front of that door every day with a sign and tell them, hey, no more permits. Well, see, that's where like, part of the beginning of the movement when we first started, well, first, okay, so for me, like when Juan's talking about like the education and everything, like I remember this this uh, reporter one time, it was many, like, at the beginning of the movement of, of, of uh, Standing Rock, this reporter gets up and says, you know, you know, all of us are sitting here and we're, we're complaining about, you know, the effects 
of what fossil fuel industry is doing. We're being forced to have to make a change now. It says, he goes, what did you expect when you, when you pulled death out of the ground? Of course you're gonna have contaminated air. Of course you're gonna have contaminate, you know, uh, um, life, you know, wildlife and environment and water. Of course, you know, it's death on top of death and it's gonna continue to be death on top of death. And, and it's true when you really think about it, you know, it's just, it, and it's sad to see that even though we can see that, even though we can acknowledge that, we're still gonna keep doing it because the 1%, those corporations that dictate what society becomes dependent on are not being forced to make the changes themselves. And it you know, for the rest of the society. Yeah, and it threatens our relationships with those animals too because for us, we, our morphology was that we had we had the tribe, which is the people that spoke the language, and then we had the bands and the clans, and the clans were represented by animals, plants, and even and even sacred places. And to be able to to dig up that, and like he's saying, they're they're they don't care because they don't have a connection to it. Right. They're not human beings. Well, Corporations are not human beings. They don't have a connection to it. And those of us that can make a connection can learn to accept the fact that this is important to us and to make that association with everything that's there. And I think that's part of the education that people need to understand. And that's why when I think when he says, like, you know, remembering how to be a human being, you know, I always, you know, I remember talking to uh, Uncle Robert John back home and he says, now, if you look at everything that we do, and you look at every action that you do, and you look at it with, with love, think about a, you know, a family, you know, a father and a mother that gives unconditional love to their children. You know, everything they do is, is you know, for, those, for their family, for their, for their children, is out of love. You know? How does it affect them, or how is it going to affect them? So if we treated every decision that we make, you know, like if we're gonna make this decision, how is it gonna, you know, with love, then we're, we're probably not going to disrespect it. We're probably not going to mistreat it. We're probably going to want to nurture it so that it can continue to not just survive, but thrive. So our next generations can, can have something to look forward to rather than something to dread. And all, all the animals so, and, yeah. and, 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 and the wildlife. Everything. Beyond you treat it with love and respect, yeah. and it, then I think the way you treat things is going to be a lot different. Which to me is like what he says is, is like, you know, remembering how to be a human being, you know? remembering how to care, how to love. Because as human people, we're, um, you know, part of the biggest colonization is that we're not above the creation and we're not below it. We're just learning to live with it. And we've taken ourselves out of that, that equation and put ourselves above it thinking that we can control it. And we're not. We're, we're actually destroying it. Well, we're just, we're just on the hour and I wanted to give folks here an opportunity to, to jump into it. And I'll get on the camera if you guys are comfortable with that. Yeah. Uh, dark questions. Remember, the camera puts on 30 pounds. <laughs> That's what's wrong. I think my, I think my camera is just tilted. Is that big? I'm not in it all the whole way. I, I wanted to ask some more about, sure. we seem to be, uh, Greg and I and some other folks here in town are on this climate action planning process. And it's when I think of some of the divisions y'all are talking about with EGP and all the rest, and we're here in Texas, which is, you know, yeah. heart and soul yeah. of uh, oil country. Yeah. This seems like one of the few possible wedges that we can take from sort of like the city side, because we, like Greg was just saying, Mayor just made an announcement that we want to go for the most aggressive kind of carbon reductions targets, which by all the logic and all sense means reducing fossil fuel consumption. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that 
that represents a venue, a way to get through. Again, the idea that protest in the streets, wherever, all the different venues down in, in the valley, if we can continue these kinds of pressures, I just don't know a better way. And I think that this is special because it's, an it's invited by the city, it's invited by the mayor, it's acknowledged all the way around the world. You know, whatever Trump thinks. So we have that opportunity, right? Yeah. And it's a, it's a fresh, it's from the inside of that whole industrial complex in some, some ways. So I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more about that, that event. I don't want to get partisan, but someone on our, uh, our live feed, Tristan Hartwell, says Frankie for president. <laughs> so just put that out there, you know, see, see if that flies. And your first mandate? Yeah. But so we're federal. Federal <laughs> recognized. Any other any other comments from the group or yeah? Well, one thing I, I do want to add in seeing that uh, Frankie and my dad work together is that uh, when we talk about um, you know being uh, like learning again to be human, it's like what would we value? Like if we value life or do we value profits? And in, in a just transition, are we talking about you know? What do we need for our future? Do we still like, or do we value like this American ideal of like uh, comfort or, or, or just giving life? And you know, uh, one thing in, in spiritual awareness or education that we're talking about becoming human again is for me. <laughs> Uh, is like our experience at Sundance where we give up, you know, food and water, like like those sacrifices teach you again how to value those things. When we do our harvest dance, you know, you you, you starve yourself um, and you value the importance of those things. And those things aren't valued in America anymore. Like the value of profit, and the more you get, the more you want. Those are things that like are one not sustainable anymore, but they're they they are not. Um, well, they're not sustainable. Our future, if we if we like give uh, value into like taking and, and um, subduing and controlling people, we're, we're going to kill ourselves, or certain people are going to die, and and that's where the future is very bleak. Um, so, you know, moving forward, um, it I have to go back to Anzal uh, Blua. Um, yeah, what she said is that, you know, I change myself, I change the world. It's not like, you know, trying to control the people's minds or manipulating people with rhetoric. It's about, like, self-care and self-love and, and, and changing ourselves individually and, and, and valuing life over profit. So I just wanted to add that in there. Also, one thing is, like, when we were talking about building the villages, uh, you know, we were really wanting to invite other people that are activists around the world, like celebrities that are involved in these things, to put their money into these uh, into these these communities that are already poisoned. Um, give, give them jobs, give like give them an opportunity to heal their community through these villages. Um, and I don't know who's watching out there who has that kind of influence or those kind of connections. 
Um, this is this is what we're looking for is like national solidarity on these days that we do have these actions. If if you can't be involved, have you know uh, awareness in your own city, your colleges, and your in your churches. You know, because this is a fight uh, for our humanity and for our future. Like, uh, our future is at stake. Um, I mean, we're being faced with the end of the world and the end of humanity. And and there's uh, this Swiss uh, song that talks about what would the rock say if the rock could speak? Um, they will say something when we're, we're gone. They will survive. Those rocks will be there. Uh, that oil will be there. We won't have survived because we didn't live in balance. So, anyways, I'm rambling. Thank you guys for everything you do. Thank you, Greg, for inviting us and putting this all together. I think, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of what, uh, what Paul was talking about, for me, it's um, it's like understanding what it means to turn a sacrifice into an offering. Yeah. Because you're willing to do it. You know, you're not dreading it. You're not, it's not a sacrifice. You want to do it. You want to make these changes. You, you're willing to give, give up yourself for your family, your community, your your loved ones, your children. And it's like, so that with that comes with, you know, that responsibility, right, of understanding that we all have a responsibility to to do our part, right, you know? The first rule of life that, that we do when we come into this world is to breathe. When you're, when you're a baby, you come into this world, you, you breathe, and what do you do when you breathe? You take, and you give back. You take, and you give back. The trees do the same thing for us, right? It's a cycle. They breathe in, they give back. We're saying we breathe in. So it's a cycle, a cycle of life. It's give and take, give and take, give and take, give and take. But I think we've become this because of the way it's me, me, me. How do I feed me? How do, my needs is making as much money as I can so I can give all the opportunities and food and everything else that I need for my, my own household. Rather than our family, our community, it's just me, 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 me. You know, I remember Orwell one time saying that he called this generation like an instant generation, McDonald's drive-through, because we become this generation that everything's instant. You know, we become in instantly antisocial. We pay our bills instant, get coffee instant. Everything's instant, and so we're becoming disconnected with those things. And I think you know, again, like as long as we can see that and start acknowledging that and creating the awareness and you know, getting our communities, to, you know, to to really understand those things. I think that's where you can start to make those changes, uh, because you're 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 acknowledging that, and you and when you create that awareness in your community and other communities, and it'll help to create those environments and continue to get it to to, to grow. I gotta know? throw a shout out. The first thing I thought followed was um, I thought of Dan Wildcat at Haskell Indian School. Um, one time he said, uh, maybe he says it all the time. One time I, I got to hear him speak. He said, uh, "We talk about in this country. We talk a lot about our individual rights." We're always talking about our individual rights, but we're never talking about our individual responsibilities, right? And uh, and I think it's interesting also in like when with with the and I don't know if we have time crime. They don't want to go all the way into this, but in uh, as much as people talk about being Christians and, and politics and all the rest, you know, based upon this idea of sacrifice, right? But it's someone else's sacrifice, and and, and now it's you know everyone else's can be lazy and go to sleep and, and just fight for their, um, yeah. Um, um, yeah, sorry, I've been like trying to get hurt for a while now, but. Oh, um, I'm sorry. And that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to say not only our rights and rights <coughs> to each other, but also to recognize the rights of Mother Earth. Yes. And the fact that she is a living being and that we're, um, 
with rights, right? And that they're doing that in other parts of the world and recognizing that. And when people talk about policy, as far as how far can you go with policy if it's all rooted in the doctrine of discovery, for example, where, like what you were talking about, the colonization, it was a seed that was brought here and planted and it, you know, just kind of ran rampant. But how can we do things that will that will provide a foundation that's different and fundamentally different and our way of thinking is different from what has happened before so we can create the policies and you know the laws that are going to be appropriate for the type of change that is necessary and that means that we have to go back to to the root of where all these laws come from and look at other models that are happening and uh, and, and recognize that people, tribal people, and native people are already um, already so, uh, governing in themselves in a way that, that is responsible and that is um, and that is actually you know creating that yeah. that we don't get attention for that is another thing. Um, and the fracking and the pipelines and all that, it brings about all this, um, the disappearances of women, the murdering of women, the torturing of women, you know, the, um, the sexual abuse of women and girls. And because when we're functioning under that system of capitalism and consumerism and destruction, that's, that's part of the dehumanization is that if even the workers that come and they're working in those places are starting to do this and turning and affecting the, the surrounding communities or their own communities and it just goes to show the respect or lack of respect that we have for women and creators of life and how we need to really reflect on how we can go back to being you know, those people or those humans that are able to give life to each other again. Um, because we don't, we don't really have that much time, yeah. and so even for people that don't go to the protests or that don't do these other things, you know, to, just to be connected to the earth, just to be able to teach your children how to live in a different way, <coughs> to be able to get back to their native roots, to be able to find what what the the colonial system has systematically taken away from us, to be able to get to this point our humanity and where it's just normal, you know, to be able to do these things and people believe they have no other choice. That's really sad when you feel like you have no other choice but to accept a job because what that doctrine of discovery did is it took away self-determination. And that's what we have to go back to and that's I think what some of the women here were referring to with the uh, recognition of tribes and native people as people who we are able to function and to be able to build and do all these things that needs to be recognized because that's really the only way we're going to be able to get back to what's necessary. When she, when she says that, it's not just that the missing and murdered women, the indigenous women are in the north. They've been happening yeah. on the southern border yeah. since they put the border over. I hate to use the word border, but they've been happening along the border on that line, that imaginary border line. For a long time because of those border patrols. They've taken advantage, a lot of those women. I mean, we've, we know that one guy just killed four of them that we know of. And then, the, then they shot that woman in the back of the head, not too long in Laredo. Um, you know, it's happening right here. Those are indigenous women that had families and, and, and had important things to offer to society. And they're treated like, 
I think Ayante is also bringing in, it's important, thank you for bringing in women, Mother Earth, the yes. water carriers. <clears throat> Let know, me tell you why. For us, matriarchy, you did the matriarchal societies. And for us, yeah. because it wasn't so much that we were we were stronger than the women, we were just the protectors of, 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 of that life, mm-hmm. you know, because if it, a lot of us, even even after, even after the Indian Wars of eight, the 1860s came in, they were killing all the men. And the ones that were left over were the women. The women held the culture together. The women are the ones that have always weaved that together for us, have maintained it. I mean, some of the best stories and teachings that I ever got were from my grandma. You know, and we're talking about grandma, grandma was born in the 1880s. So I, I think that, you know, we have to be totally aware of, of that presence and the, and the symbol the symbol of Mother Earth. There's healing there. And are we going to be... Are we going to heal with Mother Earth, or are we going to be the disease she's going to cure herself from? That's what we got to consider. And I think she brings another another good reminder. Like I'm glad you brought the baby, because like for me, when we went out to San Francisco, I took my girls. I think it's important that like, we're doing all this fighting for next generation, but I think we need to find ways to to include them more uh, in what we do. And you know, one of it is trying to get youth to come out more to those events those types of things. And I know they say, you know, you're taking them out of school. I said, you know, for me, this is just as much as important or education for them um, because they're, they're they're getting to understand why we're doing what we're doing. You know, if we say we're, we're doing this for, for our next generation, then they should be included in what we're doing. And not just do things when, when it's convenient for ourselves, but do it when it's inconvenient for yourselves. Because that's when it's probably really gonna matter. Um, and it, and it becomes that offering, right? It's that whole thing about turning the sacrifice into an offering, because um, you, you understand it and you want to do it. So I think it's important to to, to acknowledge that. To remind ourselves of that. Yeah. And Grandma? But I love the idea, because I took Donovan out a couple of times to attend some, some yeah. things that he needed to attend, that I felt he needed to attend. And when we went to court, they used it against me. And it showed that uh, it, they made me look like school was not important, education was not important. How I defended it, what I said, how important it was, how he learned, and all this, it didn't matter. The courts didn't see any importance in that. That is what it said, that we are judged by those judges and by that system. But yes, I, I would always love to to include Donovan in everything. I hadn't seen him in everything. This last market we had was the first time he has attended anything since February of 2016 was his last powwow. And then he went to this, he had the best time. But his father won't even allow him to to attend anything native, even though he's with me on the third weekend. And he's afraid to attend anything. But this time I gave him an option. I said, we have an Indian market. You can stay at Giovanni, my grandson, and my son's house and play with him, or you can go with me to market. He says, I'm gonna go with you to market. I said, I don't want you to get in trouble. He said, I don't care, I'm gonna go to market. So yes, we need to bring the children in. We need to involve them. I'm, I'm all for that. And But at the same time, we're teaching them all these things They'll stay with them, they'll remember them, but then they have to go to school the next day mm-hmm. with his other children mm-hmm. that have no 
not, and you know, it's, it's hard for them. You know, and you're right, because to me, there's a, the militarization that has occurred to anybody that goes into the service, you know, that's why I have a real hard time with veterans, because when they're taking veterans back to Mexico, because they fought for this country, and none of the veterans stand up for them, then they ain't got nothing to say to me. I got a problem with that. And that's basically what's going on. That's part of the healing that we have to go through. Because, you know, there's this false idea of patriotism that just doesn't exist. It's not about the flag. It's what that flag stands for for Native people. What that flag stands for people that went and fought for it and are sent, being sent back into Mexico and their families are being left here or wherever they, they fought from. Puerto Ricanians, you know, and, and the problem that they have fought for. And, and then they get treated the way they're treated right now, and nobody even cares what's happening in Puerto Rico. You know, don't, don't. That's why I say, you know, it's good when you talk about those things, but you better be aware those people that, you, that fought with you also were, were they're, they're being punished. So That's what happened for this administration. Yeah. Right. I think that where, you know, you're saying about policies, you know, how it was used against you, I think that's what we need, like, again, policies can be changed so many different, you know, at different times. And we need, we need to continue to work on that. For myself, for my kids, the times that they, I've kind of used the system a little bit, you know, in, in my favor, because in, in certain ways, I'm not saying, you know, similar, but for me, I always say that, you know, when we're out there fighting for our people or fighting for a better future, that's part of my spirituality. It's part of my responsibility as, you know, what, what, what this society recognizes as a religion, right? So I say, because of my, my, the Religious Freedom Act, this is, this is part of, you cannot deny my kids the right to participate oh. in these things. Let me tell you, I was supposed to get him on the, uh, on the weekend, mm. get him fracked. On the Sunday that he was with me, the judge ordered that the father come and pick him up, even though it was my Sunday, to take him to his Christian church and then bring him back at two o'clock and then pick him up at six o'clock. Pick him up at 10, bring him back at two, and then come back and pick him up again. He couldn't even, I said, we have our faith. We have our gatherings. We have our, our faith where we go. No, that didn't matter anything. The judge thought, no, the other one, because he's a Christian. So again, that's where I'm saying it has to come to a point where the community needs to continue to treat, to try to change that. That you're not just changing policy, but you got to change those people's minds to understand. You want me to respect your your way of life? You want me to respect your religion? Then you need to respect ours. And if I have to use the term religion so you can better understand where I'm coming from, then I'll use that. But it's, we don't have a word for our way of life because it's just a way of life, it's just who we are. But in order for you, if I, if that's the only way you can, you know, understand that you need to respect us then I'll use that word. Because if you want that mutual respect, then this is what I'm asking for you. And it's going to be a constant struggle, like, as it always has been. And it's going to continue to keep being. And we got to continue to keep making those changes and fighting, coming together in unity. Because like I said, in unity is where that power comes from. When we can come together, we can change the minds of those people, whether they like it or not. Because all we're asking for is respect. That enough is enough. Just respect. Bottom line, just the natural you know, law and order of another human being. Respect. Respect each other. That's it. I, I had a thought. If there is, I don't know if it can be done or at all. If there is some way 
said, y'all, and we follow y'all as a group. Go and talk to the city and see if there's any way that, you know how they're always organizing festivals for this, festivals for that. Why not organize something where we can have a series of presentations of, of the indigenous people, of us, of who we are, and y'all speak. We'll follow, like I said, we'll, follow, we'll back you up. And, and, and get it out there, because people want to hear things. Every time that somebody comes and meets with, with one of us in markets, one is over there selling it up a storm. <laughs> and they love to hear it. So why not have a series of these with the, with the city putting up everything that we get out there to involve the, the people? And maybe they'll reawaken to, to, to being humans again. Yeah, I don't even know how to answer that. It's so hard to like get, you know, uh, state organizations and you know that to to have them do things for the community without expecting something in return. And that's our biggest problem, right? You know, it's like we want, you know, we want we want to be heard uh, without having to, uh, you know, for them to expect something in return from us. And all we're asking for is the simple understanding of respect and they don't understand that and opening up a dialogue is important if they're willing to have that that that, that openness uh, the thing is you have to get those individuals that are in those positions to want to hear that and to, well, to open their minds up to allow that opportunity to happen oh I, I don't think I don't know what they want to hear because if you tell them well we don't have a word for prayer but they still say they want to open everything with prayers they want blessings um, to me that's all colonized yeah. stuff and it comes from that from that Christian mentality, that religious mentality, and uh, everything is already created. Everything's already blessed, and the Creator already made it. For us, it's just to try and make the the ambiance a little bit better by singing a song or singing a song to to something that's there. I I I think that maybe what they need to do is learn another language besides English or Spanish, because they're both foreign to this land. I mean, there were I just saw in the news where they were, you know. Um, they, they had been. They fired a guy for speaking Spanish over at La Cantera. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we're in San Antonio. This is the 21st century. And then you're going like, they're still, yeah, yeah, still doing the kind of crap, you know. So for me, it's like, what do you want? To, what What do they want to hear? I mean, I mean, I'm not welcome back to say any more prayers or whatever they call it. It's a faith <laughs> here. I don't know what the hell that means. And uh, I'm not no spiritual leader because I still don't know what that means. And because uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just just me. I'm just a human being that, that really concerned about what's happening to my people. And, and I love my people. I love my land. I love what's happening here. I understand where the sacred sites are. They don't want to hear that because I don't want them putting stuff on. I don't want digging th th digging stuff out like the Alamo. Why do they want to dig all that stuff up? Why do they want to move stuff? You know, why, why are they digging stuff over at the, at the prayer garden? And uh, see, those are those are things that just are for me, I don't understand. And there's two things in our language. We do have a, a, a thing about about life waves. It's, it's more or less called banayo, which means it's alive. You know, so when you understand when you understand the language, you know, then you have an understanding that everything in life is moving, and you have no control of it. You know, you want to control it, and that's what urbanization is. You know, they want to control it, but it's still moving. It doesn't matter what it is. We're still going to have the hate groups up there, and we can talk about love all we want to. 
but you're still going to have to deal with that healing, that, that, that hate group that's out there that's, uh, that's always opposing you. And you have to deal with it. You have to learn to understand it because the brainwashing, the Stockholm Syndrome is taking over us, you know, because we're like, we've, we're like, we believe what it is. It's okay, let's get some oil companies in here. Let's get the LNGs and we're going to have jobs, you know. But, you know, where's it? once the oil and the LNG is gone, what's going to happen to the jobs? You're going to have these eyesores out there. They're going to be contaminating the, 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 the sacred sites, contaminating the land. And they, they're not looking ahead. So it's, it's a matter of looking what's happening right now, what's happened in the past, and what's happening to get to that point. Because, you know, we just had an explosion two, two month, two, uh, a month and a half ago, right here in Carnes City, outside of, I mean, Carnes County. And what did anybody do anything about it? No, all that stuff, all that smoke, all that pollution came right at the same time. Yes, it's good to, to be here to talk about it, but we got to be out there in the front lines to be able to do it. And in Texas, we got some problems. we got some major problems with coal mines. Six in the state, in the country. This state is six in the country in lignite, in lignite coal mining. And then they're selling, because the EPA allows it to, the anthracite coal that's in Dos Repúblicas to sell it to Mexico, who burns it down there and gets where all that stuff is coming, right to right here. And who does anything about it? No, because they're getting money. But the money, everything's going outside. It's an export. We're not even using it here, except for the lignite that goes into Calaveras. But you know, like you said, solar panels, and see, that was the thing. Somebody, somebody had brought up a while back. But you need the carbon for this. You need the coal. <laughs> somebody, somebody brought up and said, you know what? Okay, what's the solutions, right? It was like, okay, you want to get rid of it. What's the solutions? I mean, you know, how about all those jobs? What about all those people with all those jobs? What are we going to do with that? And I told them, you know, for me personally, when I, I sat there thinking about it, like, well, how are you going to re-education, teach them about solar energy, biofuel, farming, you know, wind turbine, all these, you know, replace those jobs with these jobs, right? And I said, well, what problem, we have a problem, right? I mean, if we continue down the path we have right now, we're gonna run out of water, you know? There's elders that spoke of prophecies that the next world war is gonna be over clean drinking water, right? And so, you know, we have a problem. And it says, for me personally, I say here, I said, okay, what problem do you want to deal with? Do you want to deal with the problem of not having any drinking water or having to re-educate some people on a new profession so they can provide for their families. Me personally, I, I'd rather deal with the problem of having to re-educate people, you know, and, you know, so they can get different types of jobs rather than, you know, not having enough drinking water and going to a, a you know, a world war, you know what I mean? To me, personally. So I think that we have to look at those things and say, okay, what's really important, you know, and how do we deal with those things? And, and that's how we're going to do And as a tribe, I've been able to convince those that have in the tribe, their tribal members, to be able to go down into the valley and build, you know, a, 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 a restaurant is going to hire a hundred people. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're not we're going down there not offering something. Mm -hmm. We're telling them, hey, look, we're bringing a hundred jobs mm -hmm. to the area. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like they're bringing jobs, but we can bring more if, we if you continue to recognize the fact that we're here and we can find ways to hire people to do this. I'll write grants every freaking day just so that, that, that we can hire people to, to take care of those sacred sites out there instead of building those things out there. There are solutions, and, and the thing is, just people just got to wake up a little bit and say, okay, that's what I want to do. 
call Leonardo DiCaprio, tell him to open it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Love it back. But I think I think we also have to too, we have to look at their tactics too though. I mean look at you got here you got Kelsey Warren we, we, who we addressed. Which I, I didn't identify him earlier. Kelsey Warren is the, the head CEO, CEO, CEO of the Energy Transfer Partners that's responsible for Dapple and, and other Yeah, all these other companies and oil pipeline companies that are putting pipes into the ground. Well anyways, we addressed you know uh, Kelsey Warren at a board meeting that was for the Parks and Wildlife. You know, so here we are at the Parks and Wildlife where their mission is to protect and preserve these places for our future generations, but yet you have an executive of an, of, uh, uh, an oil um, uh, company, uh, extraction company, sitting on that board. And what do you think he's going to, you know, push to vote for? Of course he's going to push to vote to put these pipelines down into these lands that are supposed to be getting protected. And it's a conflict of interest. And, and then, where does his wife work? Yeah. His wife sits on, it's the... Um, the Commission for the Texas Tool Commission. Yeah. So it's like, here you got somebody else, and now, I mean, they, they strategically planned out their, you know, how they're gonna, you know, make this happen for their company and, you know, in profit the most that they can and get what they need to get past and we in have every to way hold, possible. And we have to hold, not just those guys, but, I mean, not well, just the agency. We have to hold our own politicians accountable. Yes. You know, Henry Puey, for one, $800,000 is for oil money and also prison. And I don't mind staying there because I want to run against him if I had to just to call his ass out. Mm -hmm. You know, but the thing is, he, need, he needs to, to, to be aware that, you know, he's, he's a sellout. You know, and we have people right here in San Antonio that are doing the same thing, taking oil money. And I know that there's politicians that show up to the front lines and some of the recent actions that we've had. But I get upset when we when we have these hard, these large rallies, you know, where these politicians come and say, This is unacceptable, this is you know, this is you know, this is wrong and this needs to change and this is you know we're not gonna we're not gonna take it. But you're saying they're saying this in a safe environment, in the middle of a city. Saying those words at the front lines with the rest of the people that are on the front lines risking their lives and everything they have. Come to those front lines. Share that pain with them. Don't just say and speak about it in safe places. That's my problem. That's why it's hard for me to listen to a politician that has all this media come out when they decide to come out and speak, but yet you don't see as much media or see them come to the front lines along with everybody else. And are walking down into the trench yeah. and standing exactly. in the pipeline. Exactly. Risking everything. The, the, yeah. Staying in the camps. Well, I want to wind it, wind it back. Uh, we're on the hour uh, right now. I don't want to um, hold, hold folks against their will or what, it, or what have you. But um, uh, where, where do do folks uh, either here in the room or, or probably more so on, online uh, find more information about the work that your respective organizations, your tribe, are are doing? And we've obviously laid out, you know, the challenges in Texas are real. Uh, we have, there's work happening in San Antonio. We should, we should hold up uh, the climate work. Uh, if there's anybody who wants to fold into that and bring native perspectives and, or any, any way to bring the youth together too. Um, uh, I want to prioritize that and, and work with y'all on that too. So uh, how can folks get in touch with Well, this weekend, this, this weekend we're going to have a couple of, a man's workshop and a woman's workshop down down there at the compound. <coughs> Basically, in Florida, Florida right? And mostly just to get everybody updated on what's going on off with Carrizo Creek okay. down in, uh, in Demet County. 
And, and say again what that is real quick. Sorry. That's where they're trying to build some more fracking wells in, right in the middle of the creek. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to <laughs> stop that. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, uh, and, and also bringing people up to date with what's going on with those because in the letter that we just sent out, you know, requesting for them to refrain yeah. uh, from giving them a permit okay. to the railroad commission. And and then we're also gonna, you know, just be ourselves, mm -hmm. sing some songs. Carrizo, Coma Crudo, Tribal Texas, online. Yeah, it's uh, uh, dot com. Dot com. It's Coma Crudo Nation dot Nation. com. Yeah, and and that's a. Uh, uh, yeah. And dot org is the other one. Dot com is mostly the one that, that we put most of the updates right now. Okay. Our face, you're fine. Yeah. Facebook. Facebook, yeah, we have one on Facebook. Okay. Same for us, societynamednations.org or Society Name Nations Facebook page. Mm -hmm. We usually post, post everything that we're doing there. I mean, we don't, you know, we do a lot. We've been doing things with the youth, you know, getting youth out of the city into, you know, into, the, into the wildlife and horseback riding. and um, things like that. I mean, we just had one out in Dallas. Another one's happening this weekend with some kids, uh, some native kids uh, out in the city of Dallas. Um, and then we have language programs, but everything pretty much goes up on there or our website. So, so you uh, and on the and on the answer was talking about becoming self-determining, self-sufficient. We have a market that we're going to have every month, trying to start at, on the 13th and 14th and 14th of October. Of October. Right out here on Planet K on Broadway. Well, it's at the South Texas Museum oh, of, right. of Pop Culture. I saw that. It's, it's a couple right. blocks. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's next right. door to Planet K. Yeah, come and support, come oh, support us. Yeah. Because we do have an attorney that we need to pay to keep him, keep him on retainer. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, thank you guys thank very you. much. Unless thank there's you. anything else, we'll just close it out. Thank you. All right. Deceleration is a joint effort of uh, myself and my wonderful partner Marisol Cortez and uh, we blog write uh, every once in a while at deceleration.news and every once in a while throughout one of these podcasts but we'll be trying to do uh, a little bit more as San Antonio uh, pushes through with his climate plan uh, a great opportunity for community dialogue see you next time